everything we celebrate as we move forward, as we sit in these next moments. I pray that we're not distracted by the things around us or the places we need to go, but that we take this sweet moment to sit and to be grateful, to meditate, to think of everything you've done and sit in that. Good morning, Grace Morning Church. If it's your first time here, my name's Chachi. I'm the Worship Arts Director. It's nice to see so many of your faces at 10 a.m. It means that some of you probably didn't make it to midnight, but that's okay, right? It's midnight at 9 p.m. here if you watch the ball drop in New York. Am I right? Bless <laughs>
I'm going to have an honest moment here where the lights are a little warmer than I anticipated. <laughs> oh, this next song has been an anthem for us this past year. And honestly, I, I'm on the train of, we're not going to say new year, new me. I, I encourage you to continue to become, continue to become and to stay strong in your faith and what you believe in and what you're doing. Um, I had mentioned this to my friends the other day, but you shouldn't wait on a calendar date to become, right? You should just start. And the decision is the change in direction. It's not a change in habit. A change in habit takes a solid 30 days in the science, but it all starts with being aware and being grateful for where you're at and honoring how you got there by God's grace to be mindful of the ways that God has provided even when it was hard. So this next song as we sing, I just... I hope that's your prayer, that as we sing gratitude, that we are grateful, we're thankful, and hopeful for what he will continue to accomplish in our lives each day. Amen.
before we sing this bridge out together. God, I pray for the person listening to this right now that struggles with fear. I pray for the person that's listening to this that struggles with anxiety. Help them to press into you because you are more. That in our weakness, that's where you're the strongest. It's in realizing that we can't and that you can where you began and we end. Come on, my show. Don't you get shy and be lift up your song. You've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up that praise alone. And sing that out. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your
Don't you guys know that we have an online opportunity for you guys to stay home and be dry and warm? No, it's good to be with you. It's good to gather with you. And honestly, the Christian life is more than an understanding. Uh, it is an experience. And it's an experience with Jesus Christ. It's an experience with God Almighty. Um, but also, it is an experience with his, his church body. And so it's good to be here. It's good to gather with you. Happy New Year, right? And uh, it's a special Sunday. We get to launch into a new year together. And it's also special. I have some kids and some students here, usually on Sundays. And starting next week, we're going to get to the two services. And we're going to get all spread out. And kids go one way or students go somewhere. And, and uh, we party in here, uh, us older people, that kind of thing. And, uh, but it's always good every now and then to, to be here, to be here together. I've been looking forward to this morning. Last weekend, uh, we celebrated Christmas, Jesus coming to us. Uh, Saturday night, uh, I, I shared a message uh, I call two types of gifts. And uh, gifts you want and gifts you need. And then Josh taught us on Sunday morning, Christmas morning, uh, from Isaiah and how we can kind of continue with this context uh, of Jesus being with us and how we can go ahead and become more of who he wants uh, in us and through us. Uh, last weekend was all about Christmas gifts that we receive and that we give. This morning, I, I have a, a message that I've been looking forward to sharing with you. Uh, it's called Two Types, Not of Gifts, but Two Types of Lives. Generally, there are two choices you have uh, as you launch into a new year. There are two choices I have uh, as I launch into a new year. Uh, there are choices and there are opportunities I can dismiss and or engage. It has everything to do with the type of life I choose to have. So again, uh, I hope you have an outline. I would encourage you to take a few notes at home uh, here because I believe that this morning is an opportunity for you and I to, to, to set our hearts in the right place and to understand more of what God wants. It's very frustrating. You talk about gift giving. Uh, there are gifts that people want, gifts that people need. It's really hard to give something to someone who basically doesn't let you know what's in their heart, right? And uh, so it's kind of a hit or miss thing. Uh, Christmas Eve, we looked at what is on God's heart. God wants you to act justly. God wants you to love mercy. And God wants you to walk humbly with him. This morning, launching into a new year, what does it look like? Literally, what does it look like to walk humbly with him? Well, two types of life. You can live life with God uh, or you can live life without God. God says, choose me. Don't choose a life without me. And uh, we're going to get more practical. I'm going to meddle inside your head a little bit as we go through this because I'm not going to stay in just generalities. What does living life with God look like? And sadly, a lot of people think, maybe this morning, or have thought in the past, I tried that. Doesn't work for me. 
Because I do think that this idea of living life with God, there's some truth that God wants us to embrace and pursue, but then there are what I'm calling lesser options to this life that God wants us to have. Before we get into that, though, uh, let me kind of give you a little backstory of God's heart. God has always wanted life with you. He's always had a passion, had a, had a, had a deep desire to be with you. It began in the creation story in the book of Genesis. You see it all the way through the Old Testament and New Testament stories. And then it wraps up in the last book, the book of Revelation. So let me just give you a little bit of this because this is God's heart. God wants life with you. God wants you to have a life with him. Genesis 3, let's kind of do a little flyby and then let's go ahead and dig and meddle a little bit. Uh, Genesis 3, 8, 9 uh, so again, God is our creator, and God made uh, man and woman. God made us in the image of him, and God gave us the capacity to do life with him. And then sin happened, a choice to go ahead and say no to God, and sin separated. And notice what was on God's heart right from the beginning, after sin messed up the intimacy of having life with him. Genesis 3, 8, 9. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. This is God. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God, the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? Why is he asking that? He's not asking that for information. He knows exactly where they are. Listen to me. God knows everything. He doesn't ask you for information. He asks you for an opportunity for some confession uh, in, in your life. So he knew exactly where they were. It broke his heart that they were hiding from him. Where are you? I want to be with you. I want life with you. Where, where are you? I hope you hear God's heartbeat in that question. Well, then that's the beginning. And then for the rest of the Bible stories, you have this, this, this passion turn into a mission that Jesus is promised. And then Jesus came and he made this life with God possible again. Way back in the last part of Revelation, this is the last book towards the end. And God says, what I wanted in the beginning, after sin has been solved, as separation has been dealt with through the crucifixion and resurrection of my son, Revelations 21, 3 and 4, then I heard, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, this is a prophetic vision that hasn't happened yet. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with mankind. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. Do you get his passion here? As, as their God, he, he will finally wipe away every tear from their eyes and, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Don't miss the with. Don't miss the idea that this sin and these thorns and thistles and the cancers and chaos, all of this stuff, God says there will be an end. And then finally I get to, we get to be back 
with each other the way we were meant to be in the first place. So again, from Genesis 2 to Revelation, and then again, in the middle of that, you have Jesus, the Messiah. Uh, And uh, I hinted at this. We didn't invest too much time uh, this Christmas season on the names of Jesus prophetically, other than the Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 that we did. Um, But I love this, 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 this description that's also in Isaiah that is quoted in Matthew 1. They shall call his name Emmanuel. Which means, again, God, God with us. So here's the first of a few opportunities this morning to, I guess, maybe readjust your filter. Because I do know that that is pretty much what you have heard before if you've been in churchy circles. God wants to be with you. God wants a relationship with you. But what is that relationship like between your ears? What type of relationship are you thinking about right now? Because here's a mistake. It's a mistake that I lived with for many years growing up in churchianity. I really thought that life with God is a religiously routine, weekly, daily, monthly, yearly path that God wants me on. Just do the religious things. At best, It is a casual connection. I had no category. I had no category for intimacy vertically or horizontally and and for for the first third of my life. And so when you talk about closeness, I had no grasp of that anywhere. And so again, especially with with God. And so uh, when I heard God wants to be with me. I thought, well, guess, I guess God wants to have a casual connection with me at best. Matter of fact, that's where a lot of people were and a lot of people are. And it breaks God's heart. When God says, I want to be with you, he says, Bobby, I really want to be with you. I don't want you to have a casual religious connection. Matter of fact, take a look at Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. It broke God's heart. It made God sad when people reduced life with him to a casual, formal, religious routine. Isaiah 29, 13, these people draw near with their mouth and they honor me with their lips. And it breaks God's heart. You know why? While their hearts are far from me. Can you have the words, the, the hands? Can you have the externals and then have a heart that is in another place? The answer is yes. Breaks God's heart because he wants to be with. He wants more than the, the, the routines. I said something earlier before and I want to unpack this a little bit more that I believe that this idea that life with God is less than really what God wants us to understand. That's why most people have given up on church. That's why many people literally believe, I tried Christianity, done work for me. This with God thing, this church thing, this Bible thing, this prayer thing, done work for me. I tried it. I tried to live life with God and not live life without God. And it left me disappointed and disillusioned. If in a crowd this size, that's some of you, you're trying it, 
and you're pretty close thinking, when can I try something else? Because if it hasn't worked yet, it probably won't work at all. Can we be that honest? And so uh, here's the answer. Many people who think they have chosen life with God have not really chosen life with God. They have chosen one of four lesser options. And that's what we're going to talk about more this morning. So I'm going to give you four what I'm calling lesser options other than the with God life that God wants with you. And then I'm going to give you just a few highlights towards the end. Okay, then what do I do with this? Now I get it. Those four lesser options, I don't want to pursue them. How do I pursue this with God relationship? I'm going to give you a few highlights. And basically, it's going to launch us into a whole new year as we're going to continue to uh, pursue these highlights together. There is a writer uh, named G.K. Chesterton. uh, Died, I think, in the 1930s. Never went to college from England. Brilliant scholar, writer, uh, apologist uh, for, 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 for Christianity. He made a statement a while back that I thought was interesting. It says that the Christian ideal, what God really wants for you, has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. What is he saying? He says, you know, this Christian reality of life with him has not been tried and found wanting if you've really tried the right thing. No, uh, it has been found difficult and left untried. The idea of Christianity, real Christianity, has been found difficult. That doesn't mean that the ladder is too high, that the steps are too hard. I, I just can't put forth enough effort. That's not what he's saying. Chesterson is correct when he says uh, it has been found difficult. And the reason is it has been found counterintuitive. Because you and I naturally, we don't need a lot of help. We naturally gravitate to one of these four lesser options. And most people think that's what Christianity is all about. They and you and I would be wrong. So again, it is found difficult because we can't figure it out on our own. That's why God had to send light from him. That's why we need to have the revelation of the gospel. You know, religion is just man-made. All the religions of the world are, are from man to try to reach God. Christianity is not from man. No one would have come up with this. It is God shining light on the truth and says, let me give you something you could never figure out on yourself. So again, it has been found difficult because it is counterintuitive. It doesn't make worldly, humanly, rational sense. No God can love you that much and do sacrificially what he did. No, there's just no, that's just too good to be true. Counterintuitive. So let me give you, on your outline, I really want to encourage you, write a few things down. Let me give you these four lesser options. And, uh, and then let me give you some highlights on the option that God wants for you. Here's the first one. Uh, life from God. So God gives you life. Theistic understanding. There is a God. Deism is really more a specific theistic idea where it says basically God is more like this intelligent designer 
And this, this, this miraculous, I would call watchmaker. What does that mean? Intelligent design. God made this. God wound it all up, got it going, and went away. This is life from God. A lot of people think, well, life with God is, it's basically believing God made me. And then God, I guess, gave me the resources to live my life the best I can. This is life from God. Underneath that, we kind of view God as the provider of resources. Not a personal relationship, but God, you're going to give me, an, I guess, an allowance every now and then. You're going to put it in my account. You're going to give me the energy and capacity and the, and, and the money and resources. And then I'm not going to know you beyond that. You're just going to go ahead and be my great provider without any intimacy at all. Life from God. You know, sadly, a lot of people believe that. God doesn't really want to know you. He's going to maybe make you and provide for you, but, and maybe even show up when you're in like real trouble, but then he's going to quickly go away. And so again, life from God. There's a story, matter of fact, I'm going to give you four stories of these four lesser options. And the first story is in Luke chapter 15. You don't have to turn there. Let me just summarize it for you. It's a story of a father with two sons. And uh, the younger son gets most attention, called the prodigal son. And uh, I think this younger son has this uh, image as an example of this first lesser option of basically life from God. And, and so he had a father, and this father had resources. And the son really thought, you know what? I don't really want a relationship with you. I just want stuff from you. Because that's basically what life is all about. You made me. You, I'm your son. And now you give me what I need, and I go my own way. Life from God. Luke chapter 15, verse 12, 11 and 12, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, Father, you know, I kind of wish you were already dead so I can go ahead and have what's coming to me. Yikes. You know, he didn't really, didn't really say it exactly like that, but that's really what he meant. There was an inheritance coming in his way. The dad is still eating his oatmeal and still working out. And uh, I want to go live my life, God. And so, honestly, when you die, I'm going to get it. Can I have it now so I can leave and so I can live what I want to do? And the younger man said, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me so I can go ahead and live life away from you. So again, in this lesser option, we view God more as God's usefulness to provide for us the energy and capacity to live our life away from him. Life from God. Now, that doesn't mean you want to go ahead and live life being a mean, evil, bad, nasty person. That's not it. I'm sure the prodigal son was not trying to go ahead and be a criminal. He was just basically trying to go ahead and maximize his life. But he was convinced the best way I can go ahead and tap into the one who is my father is to use him. So I can go ahead and get from him and go my own way. So again, life from God is God, you wound me up. You put a few things in my account. And I'm going to go ahead and tap into that count. Money, energy, whatever, every now and then. And I'm going to go ahead and live my life. 
You know, sadly, some people think that's what Christianity is all about. I guess I believe God made me and wound me, and now it's me to figure the rest of it out. That is a lesser option. Here's another one. Life over God. (laughs) I I hinted at at, at this one uh, when we talked about the Trinity and the Incarnation last weekend. Life over God is, I need to make sure I'm bigger than God. Because whatever you are over, you're bigger. That's what this means. And the idea there is, I need to go ahead and believe in a God that I can fully understand. I need to believe in a God that I could, in a sense, contain. I need to believe in a God as if, I think I shared this last weekend, like a tree. I don't want to go ahead and try to wrap my, 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 my belief in God around a theology, around a tree that's bigger than me. No, no, no. I need to go ahead and whittle the tree down. I need to go ahead and, and make sure my arms touch. I need to go ahead and make sure God is skinny enough that I can go ahead and, and have a full grasp of so I can go ahead and fully understand whoever he is. Does that make sense? Life over God. We talked about this last weekend where, again, if that is your commitment to not have any mystery in your theology, then you got to dump the incarnation. The incarnation doesn't make good math sense. And we talked about this where Jesus is 100% God. And here's the deal. If you're 100% God, you can't be any percent anything else, right? Because there's only 100%. Every kid knows that. Uh, But no, he's 100% God. At the same time, he's 100% man. No, that doesn't make sense. The tree is too big. I need to skinny it down. The Trinity. Good luck with that. The tri-unity. The one God in three. That is an example that God's tree reality is bigger than your mentality to get around. And so when you feel you're obligated to help everybody that's struggling with Christianity, to help them fully understand, that's just the wrong premise. Matter of fact, if you could make them fully understand the God you believe in, you have reduced God so that you can go ahead and explain him more fully. So that's, that's life over God. You know why we try to maintain a smaller God? I thought about this this past week. We maintain so we can manage. We contain so we can control. Because anything that you can't maintain It's out of your control. You can't manage. And so we try to make a God small enough that we're in charge. Does that make sense? There's a story in the scriptures. There's many stories. I'm going to give you one story per lesser option where we looked at this in Mark chapter 5 some months ago when we've been walking through uh, the Jesus stories in the gospel of Mark. And so Mark and the 12 get in a boat and they go to the east side of the Sea of Galilee to the Gentile territory because Jesus came to die uh, and to be a substitute for all Jew and Gentile back then and today. And so he goes to this place 
where this man has been an outcast of a village because they can't control him. He is literally out of control. He, he, he is deemed a danger to society. Scares the, the, the town half to death. So he's out there living among the tombs. Do you remember the story? Some of you, Mark chapter 5. And so Jesus comes, gets out of the boat. The disciples says, can we leave now? Right? And then Jesus heals this guy. And now this guy is clothed and in his right mind. And, and, and Jesus did some things. And this is the pig story, if you know that, 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 that story. And, and the, tra- the, the town uh, cannot fully understand what happened. But they also know that some pigs are now gone. And this man is now clothed. They decided in that moment, this Jesus, we can't manage. This Jesus, we can't contain. This Jesus, we can't control. And that's a problem. You know what they asked Jesus to do? Mark chapter 5, 14 through 17. The herdsmen fled and told the whole city what happened to the pigs and to the guy. And the people came to see what it was that had happened, if that was really true. And it's true. The man is healed, fully clothed, and the pigs have gone over a cliff. And they came to Jesus and saw the man sitting there. Obviously, they don't see the pigs because they're gone. Clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Why were they afraid? This one is more powerful than we. This one we can't control, we can't contain. And to believe that this is who we ought to relate to, that we can't control, maintain, manage. I want a lesser option. I want a skinnier tree. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. You're just too much for us. No, no, no. We do not want anybody to stretch us or surprise us or to be bigger than us. We need you smaller than you are, less powerful than you are, more more predictable than you are. So would you please leave? You know what Jesus did? He does what he does today. He says, okay. If you want life over God, you're going to have to make him smaller than he is. And when he presents himself as big as he is to you, that's bigger than you, bigger than your brain, bigger than what fits inside, bigger than, than maybe at times you're comfortable with. That can cause you to stumble or that can cause you to be humble. Choose a better option than life over God. Here's another one, life under God. Well, in a sense, we are under God because God's bigger than us, yes. But if, if that's all you think when you think of life with God, I guess you're bigger than me. I guess I need to believe in a bigger God. And I just hope I don't tick you off because you're bigger than me. Because I can't control you. I can't maintain you. I can't manage you. So I just hope you don't get upset with me. That breaks God's heart. A lot of people believe that God is just this big judge in the sky, this big principal down the hall who literally can't wait to find you doing something wrong. 
There's a lot of baggage with that because of other authority figures that you've heard about and some of you have had or have now. Don't put that on the Lord. Uh, Life under God. When you think of the Bible, we've talked about this morning, or when you think of God, is he smiling? Is he scowling? Is he, is he, is he, is he waiting to, 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 to see you screw up and then remind you that you're a sinner? I mean, all that kind of stuff. We're trying to defilter what you think of your Heavenly Father this morning. Here's another question. What do you think of the Bible? What's the purpose of the Bible? What's the purpose of the Bible? When you think of Bible, B-I-B-L-E, what comes to mind? And uh, someone said, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth, the law, the ladder, do it or else. That's what the Bible is. It's just basic instructions to appease God. If that's what you think of the Bible, it hurts God's heart. The Bible is a love letter. The Bible is a story. That's why it doesn't have all the details that you want. Why didn't God give you more evolutionary details and this and that? And he doesn't give you, he doesn't give you all the details that he could have, but he gives you enough so you can See his heart and how much he loves you. It's a love letter. But if you think the Bible is just an instruction manual from an angry creator who says you better do this or else, you have this life under God mentality. And the idea there is not just that God gave me instructions, but I better do it right. You know, why did God give you laws? In the Bible, there are laws, there are life principles. He gave you these laws, these principles, and for two reasons. One is so you can understand how much Jesus needed to live them perfectly for you because you can't do it. He gives you the law. He gives you these life principles kind of like x-ray so we can see ourselves and how we fall short. Therefore, we need a savior because we fall short. There's another reason, though. So these life principles really are meant to help you live life wiser. So again, there are principles. God says, just trust me. That's not the way. This is the way. And it, it seems so, so, so confining at times. I, I think of life principles like, like highway guardrails. I like guardrails. Guardrails keep me on the road, but they're limiting. How dare you put a guardrail? I wonder what life is like if I drove there. Trust the guardrails. So again, God loves you, but hear me, more than the guardrail, there's a God that says, let me tell you the story of life. I made this world and I made you good. And then bad things happen. Sin came in. And I sent my son to do what you could not do. The the second Adam, after the first one messed it up, it's, it's a love letter. Life under God. John 5, 39. This story, uh, 
the Pharisees were the rule keepers of Jesus's day. And honestly, they felt, you know what? My job is to do the best I can to keep God from being as angry as he would be and tell everybody else they need to follow our example. That's pretty much what the Pharisees did. Take a look at what Jesus said to these rule keepers. John 5, 39 and 40. You search the scriptures because you think that following them, that's why they search, right? You, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. It's really not about rules when you think of the Bible. It's about a relationship. And if you see God bigger than you, you're right. But if you see this life with God is really life under God, under these rules, under these laws. That's why you have this shame and this guilt in your life because you know you don't measure up. That can either bring you to depression or dependence. Let the reality of your and my sin not deflate us, but help us understand that's why Jesus came. So life from God, life over God, life under God. There's another story. I'm just going to add this one in because it's, it's, it's needed. This life under God idea that I've already said is I better do it right because if I don't, I'm going to tick God off. And bad things happen when bad choices are made. This is not Christianity. This is karma. It's not in the Bible, but a lot of people think it is. Good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. And the reason why bad things happen is that we don't obey the law that we are under because we just made God angry. Does that make sense? That, that, that's, that's really real. That's, that, 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 that is what people believe. Matter of fact, in John chapter 9, a little bit after John 5, uh, the disciples thought this. Their, their training wasn't over. And so they're walking around and they see a guy blind. You know what they concluded? Well, someone messed up. Either their parents sinned, therefore God judged them and made their child blind. What kind of father, what kind of sick theology is that? Or this guy screwed up. And God said, I got you, and now you're going to pay. H hear me, disciples that were following Jesus, they thought those were the only two options. That broke Jesus' heart. Take a look at John chapter 9, 1 and 2. And, and, and he passed by, and he and the 12 saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned? Someone did. Someone screwed up because bad things happen to bad people. This man or his parents, that he was born blind. You can read the story for yourself. Jesus said, neither, neither. Cancers, thorns and thistles, drunk drivers, all of the stuff that, you, God, if you're so powerful, you're so loving, why is this happening? Jesus says, this is why I came. Go back to Revelation 21. It's going to continue even after sin has been solved. Until God will come back and literally says, let me make new again. Life under God. Some of you, um, 
I know some of you understand that because that, that's who you are. Over the years, Rhonda and I, we've had people honestly come to us and ask, what have I done to deserve this? I remember Rhonda ministered to one of her neighbors years ago in a previous house. She had a miscarriage. She was really struggling. We knew that, but you know, you, you wait f- to hold your heart ready for a conversation. And finally, this woman gave it to my wife. Why did I have a miscarriage? Did God think I wouldn't be a good mom? Did God think I did too many things wrong? This was this life under God. I was so sad for her hurt, so sad for her confusion, but so glad that she talked to someone who had a better view of God and the thorns and thistles of life. Life under God. So life from God, life over God, life under God. This fourth lesser option This is the one that most people in churchy circles settle for. This is the one that a lot of people think, yeah, that's me. So I'm I'm setting you up a little bit. So if I haven't got you yet, uh, so this one just might. And again, I want us all to be free from all four of these lesser options, but this one is biblical, kind of. Let's go. Life for God. Well, isn't that what I'm supposed to do, Pastor Bob? Aren't I supposed to live for God? Aren't I supposed to be so grateful of what he's done for me and I give my life to serve other people? You know, you are to serve. You are to give. You are to invest. You are not to be one more selfish clod on this planet. That's true. But if you have reduced, if I have reduced, because honestly, this is where I was for some years. If, if you and I reduce life with God to life for God, you know what you're going to wonder? If you've done enough. If I'm really supposed to live my life and invest my energies into serving and living for other people, I could always do more. I could always pray more. I could always engage more. And if that is my purpose, to live for God by living for others, you're going to burn out. You just can't do enough if that's your mission in life. So let's, let's talk about this just a little bit. You know, this sounds pretty spiritual because part of it is biblical, you are to live not as a selfish clod, but literally as a servant of others. And uh, again, Paul, Acts 20, 24. Let me just say something. I hope this verse is not your life verse. This is Paul. This is his passion. Acts 20, 24. I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself because Jesus forgave me and I'm living for him. That's Paul. God loved this man. God used this man. He wrote most of the New Testament, planted all these churches. He's a good guy. 
I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry, the mission that I receive from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. What a godly guy. And he was. Was that a passion that was God-given? The answer is yes. Here's what you need and I need to grasp. That was not his primary passion. If his primary passion was to accomplish his mission, he would have missed the life with God that God wanted him to have and fuel his ministry and mission. So again, Acts 20, 24 needs to be under Philippians 3, 8. Matter of fact, the whole chapter of Philippians 3. Philippians 3, 8, I count everything, even my mission, everything as lost because of the suppressing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. A lot of people see Paul, they want to be like him to do many things for God like he did, but they miss the intimacy, the pursuit of Paul, the passion of Paul to know God more and more and more. We are to serve. And I'm going to not discount that. Philippians 2 verse 4, let each of you, Paul says in the previous chapter in Philippians 3, listen to me, my, my, my greatest passion is to know Christ Jesus more and more and more. But that doesn't mean I go ahead and live and just focus on myself. Philippians 2 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. All right, Pastor Bob, help me with this. Because, so what is it, how do I know when I have living for God underneath living with God. That makes, that's the plan. You are to live for God. You are to accomplish his mission for your life. You are to seek his kingdom above your own. Yes, that must be under God. You made me to know me. You gave me an opportunity to progressively become closer and closer to you. That's my primary pursuit. Everything else flows from that. Okay, sounds good. How do you measure that? Let me give you two R's. This is not on your outline, okay? So let me give you two reasons, two, two ways that you can know something is a little bit off. Here's the first one, restlessness. If you are restless in your service, you think you've never done enough. I can always do more. I wish I was better. If you don't have peace as you serve, there's a good chance this, this life for God is bigger than life with God. God does not want you to have a restless heart. He wants you to know you could always do enough, but you're being faithful and I'm fueling your life and I love you and I'm so delighted in you. So if you're constantly restless, I need to be doing more. That is my mission. That's why I'm still breathing. You're going to you're not going to have the life God wants you to have. You're not going to have the peace that God wants you to have. You will have a continual restless heart. Here's another one. I'm going to be really honest with some of you. Some of you, you don't battle with restlessness, but you battle with resentment. And here's how this works. I'm not restless. I'm working really working hard, but I'm going to get rewarded. I will get recognized. I will get what's coming to me. Over the years, I've seen as a pastor, many people, all of a sudden, they go in a different direction. 
And I've learned over the years, nothing happens suddenly underneath what I see suddenly. And resentment towards God and or towards other people is like a bitter cancer in your heart. God, I'm, I'm, I've given up so much for you. I've said yes when you've wanted me to say yes. I really wanted to say yes to someone or something else. I have given up so much and I've done so much for you. When is it going to work out for me? Let's go back to Luke chapter 15. To the second prodigal son. The first prodigal son, life from God. Give me. You're my vending machine. I'm going to pull the crank when I want it. You're going to give it to me, and I'm going to say thank you. I'm not going to say thank you because I deserve this, and I'm going to go my own way. You don't hug a vending machine, right? You use a vending machine. That's prodigal son number one. Prodigal son number two, he was living for his father, not with his father. And when he didn't get what he thought he deserved, when he wanted it, he would not be in the same house as his dad. Take a look at Luke chapter 15 again. Luke 15, 28 and 29. Prodigal son number one, smells bad, looks terrible, wasted a lot of resources. He was humbled with the pigs. He comes home. The father looks, the father runs, the father kneels, the father clothes, the father loves. I love you not for what you do, not for what you didn't do. I love you because you're my son. Prodigal son number one. Prodigal son number two, where is he? He's out in the fields working for his dad. While my stupid brother, irresponsible brother is out there partying, wasting. I'm working. I'm doing the right thing. And he is getting rewarded. He has this fattened calf. He is having the accolades. Notice Luke 15, 28. But he was angry, I'd say resentful. And he refused to go in to be with his dad or his brother. His father came out. You know why? Because his father wanted to be with him. He came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look. These many years, I have served you. I have been living for you. I've said a lot of yeses to you, and and maybe I'm going to stop saying as many yeses. I guess I'm going after this last one because there's probably some resentment in this room. You're not getting as much of the recognition or rewards and maybe you're going to give God one more year. Matter of fact, you probably say, you know, God, I gave you, I gave you last year. I, I did everything that I felt like you wanted me to do. Listen to me. Trust God's heart for his timing. You will never outgive God. You will never outgive God. 
You will never be called to love anyone, sacrifice for anyone more than God has sacrificed and loved you. Some of you, you got to quit demanding. That's why, man, when Chachi led us, I throw up my hands. Oh, my. We're going to take communion in a second. For some of you, God, forgive me for demanding you recognize and reward sooner and the way I want you to. God, I want to go ahead and replace living for you with the expectation to be recognized and rewarded by you when I want it to live for you and surrender to you. Live, don't be like the the second prodigal son. We're done. Kids are here. Students are here. Adults are here, and uh, the bathroom is down the hall, right? Okay, so again, let's, uh, let me give you, now that was, that's the message, but I don't want to just leave you there. Let me give you the last couple of minutes. Uh, so Bob, what are we going to do this year at Grace Point Church? What are we going to do to not go after these lesser options? How do we go ahead and move towards life with God? Let me give you just two highlights. I'm going to call them two how-tos that you can reflect on, and we're going to be unpacking them throughout 2023. Here's the first one. Healthy habits from God. How to live more with God. Healthy habits. But hear me, from God. Through the scriptures, God unpacks, describes some habits. He says, do this to have a healthier relationship with me. And I'm going to give you just two, two verses here. Uh, you can look at them on your, on your own. Philippians 4.8, another great passage, but I want you to see how it starts and how it ends. Finally, whatever is true. Listen to me. I'm telling you the truth this morning when it says, don't believe in the lesser options. If that is what you think Christianity is, it's not. So the truth is God loves you and he wants to be with you and he made that possible. So whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, there it is, practice these things. So grasp the truth, lean towards the truth, and practice these things that the God of peace will be where? Will be with you. You want to have more of a life with God? Believe him and practice the habits, literally, that are found in the book of Philippians and the other letters that Paul wrote to these younger churches. Okay, guys, you've been saved. You've been forgiven. Now here's how to grow. And again, Grace Point Church, we talk a lot about some S's. These are our strategies to have a spirit-filled life. Let me just say it. Sunday, small group, solitude. 2023. Schedule them. The idea of scheduling is I'm going to build them in. Schedule Sunday mornings. We're going to jump back into the gospel of Mark in a couple weeks. Let's do this together. Don't decide Saturday night. Definitely don't decide Sunday morning if you're going to go ahead and come to church. It should be already decided. Schedule it. Build it in. You need to be reminded what the truth is, and you need to practice these things. Sunday, small group. You need more than this. You guys are sitting, smiling. Some of you are note-taking, blah, 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 right? You need more. This is good stuff. 
you need more than this. You need to circle up with a smaller group where you can look at their faces instead of looking up here. You need to ask questions. You need to hear other opinions. You need to grapple. You need to grow, learn, linger with each other people. So that's our small groups. We're going to have a lot of small group options. We're starting in two weeks. Sunday the 15th is the first launch of our small group season. Uh, wherever you are in your slice of life, there's options for you. A little shout out, Rhonda and I, there's a lot of classes, a lot of groups, but we are starting on the 18th, which is a couple weeks from now, a parenting class. Regardless of how old your kids are, if they're still under your roof, uh, there's, there's some proximity parenting that you're doing. That's what this is. Uh, you, you never stop being a parent, but there's some proximity parenting, and that's what this class is all about. And so you're welcome to join us. We have Kids Care and Kids Point, and we're calling Wednesday night Engage for kids and adults. So that's coming. So Sunday small group. Here's one last one I'm very excited about. Solitude. You need some one-on-one -on -one time with your Heavenly Father so you can hear His whispers. And so you don't just go ahead and just kind of gravitate down towards one of these lesser options. Matter of fact, uh, our staff, we're very excited to offer to you to do something with us, and we're calling it Discovery. There's going to be a New Testament Bible reading plan that we're going to launch in a couple weeks, and uh, you can do that by yourself. You're going to go ahead and do that collectively with other people that are going to be doing it. There's even going to be some gathering opportunities to discuss and to uh, learn together through the New Testament. So again, Sunday, small group, and solitude. So schedule these things. That's what I would encourage you to do. Because here's the deal. First Timothy 4, 7 through 10. It takes more than desire to let go of these lesser options. It's going to take some discipline. Because it is counterintuitive. Uh, again, one of my favorite verses, 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 10. Train yourself for godliness. Train yourself. Don't just try every now and then. For while bodily training is of value, godliness, training for godliness... Uh, has value for this life and, and the next. Here it is. For to this end, we toil and strive because we have our hopes set on the living God. If you want more of that, practice, pursue, have healthy habits. But there's something else. Don't miss this. And have faith in God. Listen to me. Some people focus way too much on the habits and not this faith that God loves you period. Some people are pursuing healthy habits so that God would love them more. That's messed up. That is not the relationship God wants you to have. That is not the image of him that he wants you to embrace. Look at Hebrews 11 verse 6. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, conviction of things not seen. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. God said, have faith. Have faith in two things, that I exist and that I reward those who seek me. Seek him this year. You're not going to do it perfectly, but do it regularly. Do it as part of a lifestyle. And I look forward to the stories that are going to come out from that. So that's it this morning. Here's an opportunity you have right now. What do we talk about? Life from God. Life over God. Life under God. Life for God without this intimacy growing with him. All of that is lesser than what God has for you. Let me ask you one last question, and then I'm going to prepare your hearts for this communion time. I want you to remember one of your bad days. 
I want you to remember maybe it just happened recently or happened this past year, one of your worst days. You were not at your best. You really messed up. You yelled or you did this or you flipped or you said or you thought. It was not a good day. I want you to think about it. You've had them. I've had them, okay? Those humbling moments in your life. You, 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 a bad day. Now I want you to ask yourself, what did God think of you in the middle of that very bad day? What did God think of you? What did God look like? How did you see him? What's the first thing that you think came to God's mind when he saw you on your worst day? If it is anything else but, I love you. I love you just as much on your bad day as on your best day. If you and I envision any other answer on our worst day, we have some work to do to rewrite and remove a lesser option to fall back in love with the God who says, I want to be with you. I I gave my son to make that possible. And you can't imagine how much I love you. And I want to do life with you. That's what communion's all about. Communion about is remembering that Jesus died on a cross. I love you this much. I love you if you never love me back. But here's the deal. Communion is for those who love Jesus back by receiving him as Lord to lead, Savior to forgive. If this is a recognition and a reminder of a relationship that began when you said yes to Jesus, even if you're struggling with the lesser option of what this relationship means, Say, God, I want to grow closer to you this year. But I've already begun a relationship with you. And I want to be reminded that I'm worth dying for. This juice, this bread, symbolizing your body and blood that was given so that I can be forgiven. That's what communion is. You and I need to remember and recognize what Jesus did for you. Some of you are thinking, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure. So that's why I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for a, a, a New Year Sunday that we can start a new year together as a church family. Father, we looked at some personal falsehood this morning, some lesser options, and, and, and you want us to leave them behind and pursue you and trust you and have faith in you that you You want life with us, even when we at times don't want life with ourselves. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the body that was hung on a cross for us. And Father, for some of you in this room, you need to move from churchianity to Christianity right now. Intimacy will come progressively, but this forgiveness can happen immediately. This relationship can begin, and then it continues to grow. Jesus Christ, here I am, wrapping up one year, heading into another year. And I want you in my heart. I want you to be my Savior to forgive me. 
on who I am on my bad days, who I am on my good days. I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. I'm asking you to forgive me. And Jesus Christ, I don't want to just life from you to be forgiven by you. I want life with you as my Lord to lead me. This year, I want to follow. Give me the power to do so. I don't want to be just a churchian. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a new creation. I want to be born again. I want to be adopted in. I want to be all yours. That's really exciting if that's what you prayed. Father, I pray your blessing on all of us not to have a comfortable life this year, but have a life closer to you this year than we've ever experienced before. And thank you for Jesus Christ making that possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here's what I want to you to do. I'm asking you to do. I want you to come up if you've done your business with Jesus and you've recognized a lesser option, you're going to leave here and pursue a better option with him. Some of you, if you have accepted Jesus Christ, you're kind of thinking, I, I don't know if I was, but I am now. We want to talk to you. So again, I'm going to linger a little bit. Uh, we got some small group leaders. We're going to be here. My wife will be here. So come and take communion. For some of you, this is the first time as a real Christ follower. But then don't leave here without saying to somebody, you know what, that was me. We want to pray for you, be with you, uh, congratulate you. Yeah? So have a moment. Happy New Year, everybody. I can't think of a better way to start a new year than with this reminder that God loves you. <laughs> he loves you on your worst days. He loves you because of who he is. And uh, he wants to be with you now and forever. What a gift. Have this moment. You're going to come up. You're going to get one of these little packets, a uh, little bit of cracker on top, a little bit of juice on the bottom, body, blood. It's a package to remind you of God's love for you and your receiving of his son. Have this moment, and, uh, and then we'll wrap up with a, with a quick announcement. Giant.
Because of God's grace, whenever you and I ask God, will you meet with me again, the answer is always yes. And I hope you're saying, I hope you're asking uh, with a humble heart to to meet with him again. Uh, If you want to dig a little deeper in this whole understanding of these lesser options, life from, under, over, or for, uh, my wife actually asked me to read this book a couple months ago, and uh, a guy named Sky Jethani, uh, he had this paradigm that I thought was very helpful that I couldn't wait to share with you this morning. And actually, this book is in our bookstore. It's really called With God. And so if you want to go a little deeper in this, if you want to have some New Year's reading, uh, I don't think our bookstore is open today. Uh, but it's going to be open next week, or you can order it. But uh, we make sure you can't find any book any cheaper anywhere else than our bookstore. And so, again, that's what we do for you. And so, again, uh, that's available to you. Uh, it'll be here, or you can find it on your own, all right? Rick's going to come up and say a quick uh, Happy New Year and tell you something is happening tonight. If you want to get more involved with us, with us, fill out a card, digital or physical, but fill it out. Do a little bit of reaching out towards us, and we will reach out towards you, and we'll do what we can to help you get connected as we start a new year together. Well, happy new year. Uh, it's real good to see all of you. I, I have to say, um, given that it's, it's the first of the year, it's a holiday, a lot of folks were up late, 
weather being what it is, I'm surprised to see uh, how many people showed up in person. But God bless you for starting off your year this way. Um, as, as Pastor Bob said, I do have an opportunity for you if you wanted to, uh, to do a little bit more. Again, it's, it's the first. It's, it's a holiday. If you've got other things to do, this is not a one-off thing. There'll be other opportunities. But if you have nothing on your, again, on your agenda, come back 6 p.m. tonight. We're doing our prayer for the nations as we do every first Sunday of every month. Uh, the, uh, the foyer has a map of the countries that we've been praying for. They're all colored in, and uh, there's a lot of them that are still white. We're going to get 10 more countries colored in tonight, so 6 to 7 p.m., Come back here. It's just going to be us. There's not going to be any music. There's not going to be any sermon. There's not going to be any coffee. It's going to be uh, us and the Lord, and we're going uh, to lift up the, the kingdom of God in these countries around the world. And our goal, to remind you, is to pray for the whole world to get that whole map colored in. And so uh, that opportunity is available to you from 6 to 7 tonight. Other than that, we'll see you next week. God bless. <laughs>